Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. Hey church, so um, in this Advent season, as we wait, it's a whole season about waiting, we're not passively waiting, just sort of standing by to see what's going to happen, but rather we spend the time of waiting as a season of preparation for the coming of Jesus. I mean, yes, as a baby, of course, but also as the world's savior. And so because it's a season of preparation, tis the season for John the Baptist to shine because he is the OG, ready or not, here Jesus comes announcer, the one who comes to help everyone get ready. And so for tonight, we're telling our story a little bit out of order, but we're going to save the birth of that one baby for Christmas Eve. (laughs) So we're skipping ahead a little bit. This is Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, and this is Isaiah chapter 40, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths a little easier to travel. Not necessarily straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, (laughs) he said to them, nobody ever puts this on a Christmas card. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. And even now the axe is lying at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff, oh, the chaff, he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, Just as he came up from the water, 
suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am so pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Everybody wants to tell you who you are or who they think you should be or should not be. When we are little, our parents and other grown-ups say things about us that we spend the rest of our lives trying to live up to or trying to live down, rejecting or receiving their ideas of us. The little stories they tell other grown-ups about us in our hearing stay with us, maybe forever, as far as I can tell. Katie Bug is stubborn, just like her daddy, is one I work through again and again, less concerned about being stubborn or even a bug than I am about being just like my daddy. One way of thinking about adolescence is we get to try on identities. We can be brainy or athletic or both, flamboyant or shy or either on alternate days, lawful good or chaotic neutral or any of a hundred combinations for fitting in or standing out, playing by the rules or going against the grain, seeking the spot on some mysterious graph with multiple axes that will finally be the resting place, our true self, the me at which we've been trying to arrive ever since we started the journey. Take a look around the room tonight or scroll through the online chat to see who's in there with you and notice something with me, if you will. I'm gonna hedge my bet just the tiniest bit and say a thing that I think almost everybody at Galileo Church has in common. We are mostly not the person anybody thought we would be or said we should be. Just about everybody who gets here feels in some ways estranged from the identity they were assigned at birth. And of course, this encompasses queer identity. Whatever band of the color spectrum you have landed on, whether your self-discovery was greeted in your own heart with joy and relief or something less grand, just about everybody on that happy rainbow describes a process of arriving at that version of themselves. Slowly, slowly, and then all at once, I realized I was not who they told me I was. But, and, it's not only queer identity we're talking about here, right? Most of the rest of us, too, we are not where we started. Gender roles are gross, we found out. So we took a hard swerve off the patriarchal path. Whiteness and wealth are not aspirational, we discovered. So we worked to wrench our spirits and minds into new ideas about privilege and self. And it turns out, God is not a monster bullying us to stay behind boundaries that fragment the human family. Or if God is, we finally got brave enough to say we don't want anything to do with that God. And so we torched the faith of our youth and went in search of new metaphors for the mystery, new songs 
for our hearts to sing. We are none of us who they told us we were or ought to be. And now I'm not hedging. I'm just saying I know it's true of you as it is of me. Because you're here and not somewhere else tonight. Because you've told me and you've told each other where you came from and how you got here and how your whole idea of yourself was dismantled and rebuilt in the process. Our Jewish gospeler Matthew doesn't tell us anything about where John the Baptist came from. John just appears in chapter 3, complete with a nickname he can't possibly have earned yet. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea. One wonders if Matthew might be trying to protect John's family of origin, keeping them out of the drama. But Luke, Matthew's colleague, and a Gentile without the kind of kinship loyalty that would keep him from spilling the tea tells it all. John, he says, was the only son of a prominent family, his father Zechariah, a member of the elite priesthood, his mother Elizabeth, herself a descendant of Moses's brother Aaron, both of them well-known and well-respected, though their childlessness well into senior citizenship was a whispered about pity. So once the family was blessed with a baby boy, what did the Jerusalem elite class whisper about them? Mm, about how he was turning out, I'm guessing. Because John was a hellraiser, a rebel with a cause, running away from home to join a religious sect bordering on cult out in the boonies, rejecting the temple-tending job that could have been his by birthright. Out in the Qumran caves with the Essenes, he buried himself in prophecy and prayer and the practice of an asceticism so severe, he would have been diagnosable in our time. See, it's not a costume, that camel hair bathrobe cinched with a strip of raw leather. It's just what you wear when the clothes your mama made you have finally shredded in the desert wind and sun. And they're not props, those honey-dipped bugs. They're necessary protein and a blood sugar boost for when you spend so much of your time fasting, you endanger your own health. But while his family no doubt wrung their hands over the loss of the child they had waited for for so long, John knew that he was finally becoming the person he was always intended to be. He found himself in the open-air scriptorium where he took his turn copying out the lines attributed to Isaiah, a man who heard God speaking and tried to convince everyone else of what he heard God say. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the ways of the Lord, make his paths straight. Aha, thought John, the one whose birth was after all announced by an angel of the Lord. Here I am. This is who I was always meant to be. And so John stood up from the scriptorium table, laid down his pen, and walked from the desert to the river, warming up his voice for the work he was born for. That work would attract the attention of lots of people who were well ready for a change in their own identities. The people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, Matthew says, and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river, confessing their sins. 
And what is the confession of sins, I ask you, except for an admission that who you have been is not who you are supposed to be? An admission that you have been less than loving, self-obsessed with a self that is not your true self. Wash it off, the people said to John, soon to be the Baptist. Clean me up so I can start again. There were those, of course, for whom John's promise of starting over felt more like a threat than a gift. The VRPs, the very religious persons, the ones for whom the current system and their places in it were working just fine. They came for baptism along with everyone else, Matthew says, but John, John was skeptical unto name-calling. You brood of vipers, he screeched at the well-dressed and well-heeled men for whom religious dignity was but another piece of privilege. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And in case they miss the reason for his rage, he spells it out. Don't you dare recite your descendancy from Father Abraham and Mother Sarah. Your pedigree is not your identity. I see you. Your life, your life is not bearing good fruit for anyone else's nourishment. You have not blossomed. You have not become anything good for this world God still loves the way you were meant to. And so until you are ready for this, he waves his arms low, wildly splashing water onto their fine robes and well-oiled beards. Until you're ready for this, until you're ready for all of your credentials to be drowned like extra kittens in this muddy river, you better get away from here, go on home. You know John would drown extra kittens. He would. Because, he said, because things are going to get a lot harder, a lot hotter out here, just you wait. The one we are waiting for is on his way, and he's carrying a blowtorch, and he's going to set fire to everything you think is essential to maintaining your reputation as a fine human being. Makes my little drowning ritual look like a pool party. And with that, John turns back to the line of eager souls waiting their turn for his ministrations. Come on down here, hun, he says to the next one. Tell old John what you've done. We'll get you cleaned right up. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, and you are going to love how this feels. Then one day, John looked up from the waist-deep water, estimating the wait time in the baptismal line, wondering how long before he could take a little break to dry out his puny hands and feet and privates. And there, waiting his turn, was his mm, second cousin once removed? Something like that. It was never quite clear how they were related, actually, but his mom and dad had told him the story many, many times, how before either of them was born, it was like they were connected beyond their kinship. He couldn't remember now how long it had been since they'd actually seen each other. John had been away for so long, and the invitations from his family of origin to come for Shabbat dinner stopped coming after so many years of him not showing up. But he felt the familiar zap of recognition. And suddenly he knew that his wait was over. The blowtorch was here. But what was he doing in line for John's baptism? Well, that doesn't make any sense, John thought. 
He already knows who he is, or at least I know who he is, what he's supposed to do, where and when and how and why. I'll just tell him what I know, confirm what he surely suspects, and he'll be good to go. But when he sloshed to the shore to confer with his cousin, to turn him back from baptism and toward his messiahship, Jesus just smiled. Come on, John, he said. You and everybody else thinks they know what a messiah is supposed to do, who I'm supposed to save and from what and exactly how. (laughs) Ask my mom. She's got big ideas, 30 years worth of who and where I ought to be by now. I'm just not so sure yet. I'm ready to say yes, but I'm not sure exactly what I'm saying yes to. So take me to the river, cousin. Wash me down. Let's see who I really am underneath the weight of all these expectations. Time seemed to stop underwater. He could feel John's hands, one pressing between his shoulder blades to keep him from sinking, one pushing on his chest to keep him from floating. He could feel the cold Jordanian mud sucking up between his toes and the bright Palestinian sun warming the surface. He rested in the in-between, neither here nor there, neither existing nor not existing, alive but not yet living, a fetus coming to full term, held in the womb of the world. Who will I be, he did not think, but felt When I am born this time, this second time, who am I supposed to be? When the waters parted for his emergence, weird cousin John midwifing him brilliantly into this new life, he gasped for his second first breath. And before he could exhale and shake the water from his curls, the sky became a mirror of the riven river a dilation, an opening, an emergence of God's own spirit, tumbling, diving, falling, finally flying, landing, lighting, a white hot spotlight, a divine sign, a dove, and from a capital V voice, the answer he had sought for so long. My son, it said. My child, it said. My beloved, it said. My love, I am, and I am so delighted with the person you are becoming. Perhaps it goes without saying, there would be no blowtorch for this Messiah. He would be who God said he was, not who John said he should be, nor his mother, nor his disciples, nor the VRPs, nor the empire, nor any of the rest of us through history who have thought we could make him in our own image. Jesus, it turns out, would and still does thwart the expectations of many for his way of being in this world. Like a lot of us. I hope it's not too simple a point to say out loud tonight. The invitation to follow him is, at the start, an invitation to be baptized ourselves, to let the water do its work, to wash away layers of expectation and disappointment, 
all the ways we have tried to be someone else, all the ways we have not been the people God knows us to be underneath. To follow Jesus into the world God still loves is first to join the line on the riverbank, to await the birthing of a new self, to await God's assurance that God knows who you are. God has always known and has simply been waiting for you to be ready to find out. Tonight, if your baptism is still in your future, please know how ready we are to help you join Jesus and John in that age-old sacrament of starting the rest of your life. For far more of us, our baptisms are in our past, and so we contemplate how far we have traveled since then, what it has been like to move through this world wearing the water of our second birth. Because this is who we are now, the drenched, the dove-wearing, the born-again beloveds. Every day we live, we are who God says we are, no more and no less. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.